0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Life Group's minister, Del Matthews.
1: The Bible reading is from Luke 1, 67 to 79. His father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, the oath he swore to our father, Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago, I attended a dinner hosted by Prison Fellowship, Now they're one of our mission partners, and we know them at this time of the year as the organization that runs Angel Tree, where gifts are sent to children of prisoners on behalf of their incarcerated parent. But Prison Fellowship doesn't just work with the children of prisoners. A number of volunteers regularly visit prisoners in our jails. And at that dinner, there was a panel of speakers. One of them had been a prisoner. He had found Christ, He'd completed a law degree and set up his own law firm after he was released. He was asked to think back to the time he was in jail and answer the question of what it meant to have prison fellowship volunteer visit. His answer? He said those volunteers brought a sense of hope. He explained that prisoners have usually lost all sense of hope. Over 40% of people in our Victorian prisons today are on remand, they haven't had their day in court, and all they know is fear and uncertainty, not hope. Even for those who have been convicted and know the length of their sentence, there is no hope. There is so much uncertainty around when or even whether they might get parole. And then there is no certainty after release, life on the out, that life on the outside would be good. They know that they will face huge hurdles in finding employment, housing, reconciliation with family, and so on. For prisoners who can think of a future, it is usually a bleak future with little hope. Prisoners often struggle to accept that they could be forgiven, especially by God, and many think their crime is just too bad for God to forgive. For them, the future also holds no hope of salvation. But prison fellowship volunteers offer a glimmer of hope, Their visits show prisoners that they are not forgotten. There are people who care, and there is a God who cares and does forgive. Prison fellowship volunteers can't do a thing to change a prisoner's sentence or their treatment by corrections, but they do speak of a salvation and hope that's bigger than simply release from jail. Well, today we finish our series on the songs of salvation, taking a look at a song by Zechariah the father of John the Baptist. And we sometimes refer to this song as the Benedictus, but that's just the first word of the song when it was translated into Latin. I think we'll stick with English today. This song is one of hope fulfilled. It's a song of salvation, both on a national and a personal level. Zechariah speaks of prophecies of hope and salvation for a nation, finally coming to fulfilment he also prophesies the role his own son will take in the fulfilment of God's plan. This son of his is a newborn, the first child of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Now you would expect the normal response of any new father would be to gloat over his baby, to give thanks and praise to God for giving him a child. The Bible tells us this couple were advanced in years and had given up all hope of having a child of their own all the more reason to be full of praise and thanks to God for their baby. But Zechariah doesn't start with a chorus about his son. He starts with praise to God for fulfilling the hope of a nation. So let's take a look at what's more exciting to Zechariah than the birth of his own son. He begins in verse 68 by praising God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. This first line is the theme of the whole song. It's an outstanding opening statement. Now it helps if we think about the state of affairs of the Jewish people at the time, just to get a sense of what it meant to Zechariah and the Jewish people, and just how outstanding it really was. The nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament had a history of turning their backs on God, and then coming back to him, but mostly turning away from God. God had sent a series of prophets to warn the people and call them back to himself. But by Zechariah's time, there had been already several centuries without any prophet from God. There was silence from God. It felt like he had abandoned them. Now, over their history, the Israelites had been attacked and oppressed by other nations around them, and now it was the turn of the Romans. It had not only been centuries since they heard from God, it had been just as long since they'd seen him act and intervene in their situation. All around them, the Jews saw and experienced suffering, hatred, violence and death. These were dark times. Sadly, there are many people in our world today who can totally relate to the experience of Zechariah's day. We only have to turn on our screens to see the darkness of war and displacement. And closer to home, we're told of murders and the problem that of domestic violence. It just doesn't seem to get resolved. There are so many who suffer from broken relationships and who find Christmas particularly difficult. Maybe not violence, but relationships strained through hurtful words and actions, through silence and neglect. We long to see these problems resolved, We hate conflict and we want to see a better world. We hope for peace, but just as we see one conflict diminishing, another comes to our attention. There are a few different responses we can make to conflict and oppression that we see around us and in the world. We can give up totally and fall into despondency, or we can try to take matters into our own hands and find another way. Now, both of those responses basically give up hope that things will get better on their own or that God would intervene. It can feel like God has abandoned his world and doesn't care. Another response is to cling to hope, refusing to give in to total despair and loss. And that was a choice of many of the Jewish people like Zechariah at his time. They had spent their lives in prayer not letting go of the hope of salvation that was promised to their nation way back at its inception when God called Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham, a promise. Now, we break promises all the time, but God never breaks a promise. He promised that all the nations would be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. That's a huge promise, almost too big to believe especially in the grim circumstances Zechariah and the Jews found themselves in. Yet they did believe. They held on to hope that God would act in their favour again. Now two things helped them hang on to hope. Firstly, they had God's promise, and that promise was confirmed over the generations through the prophets that God had sent. He promised a Messiah, a Saviour, a descendant of King David, who would be the ultimate king. Zechariah refers to him as the horn of salvation. Now the term horn is used to show strength. The Messiah promised by God through the prophets would be strong in salvation. He would have the strength and the power to overcome all enemies. Secondly, Zechariah and others knew the stories of past redemption they knew that God had come and rescued them from their enemies in the past, you know, from Egypt, where they were enslaved, numerous times throughout their history as He rescued them from enemy nations round about, and from exile in Babylon, when a remnant were able to return to the homeland and rebuild. So even though God had been silent for centuries now, and even though the Jewish people had not seen God act in their favour over recent years, He had come to the nation of Israel, redeeming his people and speaking his words of salvation through his prophets in earlier days. Zechariah and others clung to that past history and God's promises. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah recognised that God had once again come to his people to redeem them and speak words of salvation through his prophet. This was huge. God was acting in favour of the people again and he sent a prophet. He was speaking to the people again after so much silence. That was reason to praise God. Now all you grammar nerds, notice the tense of this opening sentence. Zechariah said God has come and has redeemed his people. But at the time Zechariah sang this song, Jesus hadn't been born. Mary was still pregnant with a few months to go yet. God hadn't actually come yet. But filled with the Holy Spirit and having the assurance in God who doesn't break promises, Zechariah knew that the birth of his own son was hugely significant. It was a sign that the coming of the Messiah was imminent. And Zechariah had such confidence he could praise God as if the promised redemption had already been fully completed. Baby John wasn't the saviour. He was not the long-awaited Messiah. John was to go before the Saviour, before the Lord preparing the way. Like when an MC comes on stage to announce the guest artist or the orchestra plays the overture to the musical, you know the main show is about to happen. So when John was born to prepare the way for the Messiah, Zechariah knew that God had begun acting in history again. In this song, Zechariah sings that God had come to rescue us from our enemies. Now, for the Jews of that time, the first thing to come to mind would be rescue from the Romans. You know, living under Roman occupation, many Jews of the day had hoped for a political solution to their situation. And that could have come in a number of ways. But any political solution would likely only bring temporary relief to the Jews. We know from history and suspect the true is the same today in the Middle East and other parts of the world, that the end of one conflict does not bring lasting peace. There will be more. So what does Zechariah mean by enemies? Who or what would we be rescued from? Jesus never referred to the Romans as enemies. But later in the book of Luke, Jesus did speak of our enemy in spiritual terms, our enemy. Satan. There are two main ways to defeat an enemy. You can arm yourself with superior weapons or more weapons than they have, or you can target the enemy's store of weapons and disarm your enemy. Either way, you have a chance of overpowering your enemy. God didn't come to offer a band-aid political solution to the problem of enemies. Instead, God came with hope he came with a rescue so different from what anyone could imagine, a solution that would put us on, a, on the path to real peace. He came to deal with the root cause of conflict and oppression everywhere, the sin of humankind. Unless sin is dealt with and, forgi- and forgiveness given, hatred and conflict would only return again. Many prisoners re-offend after release. Family conflict and pain can go on for years and may never be resolved. But in Colossians 2, Paul writes that once we were all dead in our sins, Christ cancelled the written code when he died on the cross. That was the law that Zechariah was a priest under. On the cross, Jesus disarmed our enemy, all powers and authorities triumphing over them. Satan has a number of ways he can niggle at us and tempt us, but the ultimate weapon that our enemy Satan has against us is our own sin. With that, he can accuse us before God. See, it's our sin that separates us from God and condemns us to death. So Satan likes nothing better than to see our sin come between us and God. He knows that unless our sin is dealt with, we're condemned to death. No human situ- solution could possibly stand up against Satan and his ultimate weapon of our own sin. We needed God to intervene. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to live among us, being born, like us all, as a baby. Jesus was born to die. Through his death on the cross and subsequent resurrection, he redeemed us through all the forgiveness of all our sins. Satan has been totally defeated. With our sin forgiven, there is nothing Satan can accuse us of. His accusations are empty words. The Bible tells us there is no condemnation if we're in Christ Jesus. We no longer live in the shadow of darkness and death because through Jesus we have been forgiven, not condemned. Zechariah didn't name Jesus as the Lord and Redeemer, but his son John would. John did go on to preach the need for repentance and forgiveness of sins, but he knew he was not the Saviour. When John saw Jesus, he said to his disciples, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He identified Jesus as the Lord that John had been preparing the way for. Zechariah's son John would devote his life to spreading the message that real salvation can only come through forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness we can access only because of the mercy of God. What did this mean for the Jews back then? Well, Zechariah was a priest. He and his wife Elizabeth were said to be upright, obeying God's commandments. Yet they were not perfect. And even Zechariah knew that he and all the Jewish people needed to participate in the sacrificial system to attain forgiveness. He knew the limitations of that system. Sacrifices would need to be repeated year in and year out. The Jewish people not only longed for a political saviour, they waited for a a Messiah who would establish their kingdom forever forever. They longed for a time when the yearly sacrifices were no longer needed and that could only happen if the real enemy of sin and death were overcome once and for all. Zechariah got it. God had come to redeem his people, to bring salvation through forgiveness of sins. So God took the initiative. He acted out of his mercy and John would be announcing that great news but it was the Lord Jesus who would be the means of forgiveness and salvation. Zechariah sang of the redemption of the people of Israel. But when we look at the rest of scripture, we know that this promised salvation is not for the Jews alone. Jesus came to be the saviour of the whole world. God did not simply provide a political solution for one nation. Jesus came to bring a lasting salvation for people of all nations including you and I. And just as Zechariah didn't sing of the birth of his his son at Christmas, we're not filled with joy and celebration just because a baby was born. At Christmas, we celebrate the coming of our Saviour and the forgiveness of our sins. Our, Our salvation came in the form of a person. Nothing else can offer us true salvation and put us on the path of peace. Zechariah knew that. He sang about Jesus, the hope of salvation, the fulfillment of God's promise made long ago. And one thing we can learn from this story is that when God acts on a global and national level, he's also acting on the personal level. See, Zechariah sings about the redemption of a nation, about the redemption of the world. But God offers redemption to each one of us personally. You remember that he was a priest and said to be an upright man. He was a good bloke and a religious person, but not perfect. In many ways, those of us who have been churchgoers all our lives can relate to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. We've been faithful in not only attending church, but in getting involved in church activities. We've based our lives on the moral standards and values found in the Bible. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that kind of a life. That's my own story. Where it becomes problematic is when we think that doing the right thing as a Christian will earn our salvation. In this song, we see that Zechariah learned that true salvation comes through forgiveness. Zechariah changed from being a man dependent on doing the traditions and law right to one who knew he was dependent on God and his mercy for salvation. As Christians, we have a lot of symbols and traditions around worship, It can be all too easy to get caught up in doing everything right. But all God wants for us this Christmas, actually any time, is that we're reminded that our salvation comes only through forgiveness and Jesus came to bring us that. God wants us to learn the lesson that Zechariah learnt, to be dependent on God's mercy and forgiveness for salvation, not our church traditions, not on being good people. And at the other extreme, there are people like the prisoners who, of, who believe that they have done something so bad or lived a life in such a way that God could not possibly forgive them. They believe their sins are just too hard for God to forgive. And then, of course, there's people somewhere in between those two groups. But no matter where you fit, Jesus came as the strong saviour. He took all sin on the cross. There is no person he's not able to offer forgiveness to and no sin that he's unable to forgive. He is our only hope for salvation and that hope extends to everyone who will believe. Forgiveness brings such a sense of relief. Zechariah says it's like light coming into the darkness of our lives. An ex-prisoner told me once that what struck him most on release was all the colour around him. Prison is very drab, almost monochromatic. Release from slavery to sin is like that, coming from a dark place to one of light and glorious colour. It's like God setting us on the path of peace. Nothing else can do that. No political solution. No social solution. No other person. Only Jesus can give us peace, and true peace comes through forgiveness of sins. So the best preparation we can do at Christmas is to ask God for forgiveness for our sins. It's something we should do regularly as Christians. All it takes is a simple prayer. By doing that, we acknowledge our dependency on God for our salvation and our need for his mercy. And The purpose of salvation, verse 74 and 75 tells us, is that God's people, you and I, can serve God without fear. That word serve is related to the priestly service in worship. John the Baptist spent his life in worship and service of Jesus, the one who would take away all sin. Forgiveness frees us up to worship Jesus this Christmas and to serve him with our whole life in whatever circumstances he places us. Zechariah says we can serve him without fear. Without asking for and accepting God's forgiveness, we can't come to worship God who is a perfect God. Our sin stands between us and God and is, and is deserving of death. But when Jesus took our sin on the cross and forgives us our sins, there is no longer a case against us. We have a sure hope of life eternal, not death. We can come to God in worship and service, totally without fear. As we do that, We'll make mistakes, of course, and learn to grow in Christ-likeness. But we don't have to fear that our efforts of service are not good enough. We are no longer dependent on doing things right for salvation. We are dependent on God's mercy and forgiveness. I also find it helpful to remind myself that I need not be afraid of Satan, our enemy. Jesus totally disarmed him on the cross, even though he tries to accuse us and tempt us away from God. Even though he continues to sow seeds of doubt, we can be sure that Jesus our Saviour is strong and completely overcame our enemy. In this song, Zechariah didn't celebrate weapons of war or worship a great hero who would deliver them from the Romans. He celebrated the fulfilment of hope, the coming of God himself to offer forgiveness and salvation. This Christmas, we too, worship the coming of God himself to offer us forgiveness and salvation. We celebrate the hope we have in Jesus, hope that is not just for this life but for all eternity. The events of Jesus' coming, starting with the birth of John the Baptist, give us confidence that God is always true to his word. He has come and dealt with a root cause of all our problems, sin in this world. He has disarmed our enemy with no more sin against us, nothing to accuse us of before God. Our best response is to worship him and serve him with all our lives. Our hope is truly fulfilled in Christ. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St John's Diamond Creek.